I invite you to open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Over the next few weeks, as we look into this theme about coming together again, we're going to be looking at a few examples of the early church and how they came together again. And this morning, we are looking at one of the freshest experiences of that early church uh, right off the bat after those uh, in Jerusalem were, were blessed with the Holy Spirit and brought into the church, and we get a description of their life together. So this is Acts chapter 2. And I said, if you look at verse 41, you can see that what's setting this up is that they heard the message of Peter, and it says those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Then it says, following this group of new believers in Jesus Christ, it says, verse 42, Acts 2, 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This morning, uh, I'm starting with a, little, with a little quiz. So some of you may be involved in this little quiz this morning. Uh, and, as always, uh, you'll have an opportunity to win a great prize this morning because you know I believe in giving away great prizes for the games that I, I play. So the name of this quiz is, you can see here on the screen, it is Name That House. That's pretty simple. I'm going to show you a house, and then you simply have to tell me who lived in that house, whose name is it. You, you got it? All right. Well, Rob's the only one that's on board this morning. Okay, what about back here? Are you guys, you, everybody's got it? Yeah. Well, it's a little, all right. All right, by the end, we'll, we'll, we'll get this, all right? We'll just keep playing until you get it. Uh, and then I'll start the message. So, uh, so here we go. So uh, let's just start. Gene, I'm going to start with you right here. Gene. And you can win, Gene, uh, a prize this morning because we're going to name that house. I have house air fresheners. <laughs> and you could win a house air freshener in a variety of scents right here, all the way from Hawaiian breeze to uh, lavender and peach blossom. All right? I'm not saying your house stinks, but, you know, <laughs> this might be kind of nice in your house. So, uh, Gene, here we go. The first one. Uh, here we go. Name that house. I would say it's the White House. The White House. Yes, it's the White House. Gene wins, and you win an air freshener just, just for... What, what flavor did you get, Gene? Flavor. Scent. Well, you can eat them, too. They're, they're multi-purpose. Uh, you can put them in a, a gallon of water, and you got a beverage. They're really a tool. You can use them in lots of different ways. Yeah. So I'm coming over here because uh, I need somebody who, uh, who may, let me, let me see. Uh, let's name this house right here. Name this house. Roger, you got any guess? I even gave you an indoor picture to help out. Does somebody know whose house this is? Wait, in the back, hold on, I got some hands up in the back. Just because you want to win a prize. Myra, name that house. 
Elvis's house, Graceland. Myra wins an air freshener. Here you go, Myra. All right, uh, Roger, that was highly disappointing. Okay? All right. Well, we're, we're, we're going to move on. We're going to move on to another, uh, to another section over here. All right, uh, Brennan Heisinger. This one, this one is on you. Oh, wait a minute. Dan thinks he knows, Brennan, so I'm going to take you off the hook. Is that all right? All right. Dan thinks he knows. So, Dan, name that house. Christmas Story House. Christmas Story House. That's Ralphie's house. Ralphie's house. So, Dan, uh, you win. Uh, here we go. Lavender and peach blossom. All right. Okay, we're coming down. Everybody's getting nervous now. The pastor's walking towards you. It's a very simple game. Here we go. Oh, here we go. Name that house. Harry Potter's house. Harry Potter's house. Yes, yes. This uh, may have to go in your room at your house because, you know, being a teenage boy, this Hawaiian breeze. Whoa, you could use some Hawaiian breeze. Well, while I'm in this aisle, uh, Katie wants to play. Katie, can you name that house? Think of a, think of a story. It has uh, a yellow brick road. The Wizard of Oz, that's Dorothy's house. Way to go, Katie, there you go. You win, all right, uh-oh, I ran out of prizes. So this is just to feel good, this next one, your collective to feel good. Name that house. Yeah, that's my house, that's where I live. It's not all entirely famous, but uh, nevertheless, it is around the corner. And if you're looking to do some yard work this fall, just stop by, it's a great. I'm uh, talking about, I wanted to do this this morning to get your, your minds thinking about home, all right? Just thinking about home, because that's our, our theme this morning as we think about coming back together to home. Because of coming off this uh, coronavirus deal where we've had to experience uh, self-isolation and social distancing, a lot of people have found themselves kind of nudged out of community. And a lot of people have responded to being uh, quite lonely. And as a matter of fact, um, the Surgeon General at the beginning of the pandemic wrote a book on how now we are experiencing an epidemic of loneliness. And we know that loneliness uh, leads to uh, anxiety and it leads to uh, things like suicide and depression and we see those around us in our world uh, today. And in response to that, the Department of uh, Human and Health Services created something that they call a, a warm line. To help with people's loneliness, they created a warm line. And this is a, a phone line that you can call if you're feeling lonely. But I have some good news for us. That our God was way ahead of us in the loneliness department. And that our God has created and established a community for us to which we all can belong. And for you, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, God has created for you a home. He's created for you a home. And I use that word intentionally because the Bible uses home and households as a metaphor for this community. You see, the church, which we are a part of, the Greek word for that in the Bible is ekklesia, the called out ones, 
It's all of those who are stepping out of the, the ways of the world and have heard the call of Jesus Christ to follow him. And so now this group of people are following Jesus Christ. And this group of people, the called out ones, the ecclesia, the church, these people are, are what uh, Paul calls the household of faith. It's always a group of people. It's never a building. It's the people of God that Paul calls in Galatians. We just got done in that study. He calls, uh, I think, Galatians 6.10. He says it's a household of faith. And to the, the folks who are following Jesus in Ephesus, Paul writes these words to them in Ephesians 2.19. He reminds them that they are now fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. You're part of a household. Here is God's people. You're part of a home. And I think perhaps that image may have been stronger for those who, who actually lived in the first century than may and heard these words initially than what we do in our day. Because a lot of times in our day, at best, our, house, our household you know, is made up of uh, a, you know, a, a mom and a dad and maybe a few kids around, a cat, dog, that sort of thing. It's a pretty nuclear family wasn't the case in the first century. When they used the word home or they used the word household, their minds immediately went to thinking of what is called in Hebrew the Beit Ab. The Beit Ab. Now I wrote it wrong on the screen. It had a spelling mishap. Beit Ab, A-B. So Beit is house and Ab comes from like the root word for father. So we get my father's house and if you lived in this time in israel you can you can see down here is uh right here get my laser pointer where is it right there this little this is a uh what's a tell uh which is really a um, remnant if we will of uh, a city that was called arad and this is from like the time of abraham where abraham would have entered into the land and this is a remnant of one of these father's houses here, and they've rebuilt right here uh, one of the dwelling places. But you can see the walls and, and uh, the extended uh, family unit going all around here. This is what it would look like if it was rebuilt. You can see that there's a gate that you enter through to the father's house. There's a big open courtyard where you did life and you did family together. There was a big kitchen where everybody did their cooking and uh, hung out together, and they did their work in the rooms. And then going all the way around the house there, would be little rooms and apartments for families to live. And so in this Beit Ab, it, was just, it wasn't the, the uh, husband and wife, it was the, it was the patriarch, because of the patriarchal society, my father's house. So the patriarch of the family lived there, and with him, everybody else in the extended family. His kids, the cousins, the, uh, the servants lived there, the extended family, the kids. Uh, everybody lived in this father's house. It was a giant household that you lived in, where community was done, where you belonged and you lived. You're part of Abraham's family, boom, you're in the father's house. They're building a room and there you live. You're with them and they're looking out for you. They're caring for you. It's a place where you belong. That's, Dan. Big, big house. A big, big house, exactly. For the, with lots and lots of rooms for those who grew up in the 80s and remember that song. That's right, it's the father's house, which is exactly what Jesus was talking about in, in John, uh, John chapter 14, when Jesus said, 
uh, told his disciples, he's like, you know what, I'm going away, and you know what I'm doing while I'm going away? I'm going to my father's house, Bedab. I'm going to my father's house, because in my father's house there are many rooms. Many rooms. We're just going to put more rooms around. You believe in Jesus Christ? You believe you're following me? You belong in the family of God? There's a place for you with my father in his house in heaven. And I'm going there, and I'm building a room on. And you're going to belong with a whole household of faith. You're going to belong to the community of faith. And that's what Jesus was referencing. And Jesus is telling us that uh, the image that he could give us is that household in heaven. And he's saying, while, while, while we're anticipating that that is where we will one day land, to live in the Father's house for all eternity and be with our Father, giving him praise and glory, right now, while we're on this earth, we get a glimpse of that. We get to try it out. We get to see what it's like. And that is done in what he calls the church, the ecclesia, the household of faith here on earth. We are an image, we are a reflection of what our eternity in heaven will be like when we live in our heavenly home with God. So you can begin to see the teeth that this word takes on, that I'm going to my father's house. And, that, uh, and when we think about this idea of home in the Bible, there is no question that what came across people's mind is that in this home, it's a father's house. Jesus said, I'm going to put rooms on. You're going to belong. That was the theme. In the household of faith, in the church of Jesus Christ, all of you who are followers of Jesus, good news. You're home and you belong. You belong. In fact, we read that in, in, in Galatians as well. Um, Galatians 3.28. Paul wrote, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, because you are all one in Christ Jesus. This would have been shocking to hear when this letter arrived and to hear Paul say those words. There's neither this or that, that or that, that or that, but you're all one. Because in the Roman society at this time, it was divided. The Roman society that was lived in different groups, in different camps, you were divided by your ethnicity. You were divided by your, your wealth. You were divided by your, your careers. You were divided by your freedom. The society was heavily astratiated and, and divided, and it was enforced. You did not cross boundaries. You stayed in your lane, and you did not get out of it. Roman society made sure of that. In fact, people even in different categories wore different clothes so you knew who was in what category and you knew who you could approach and who you couldn't approach you knew your station in life but Paul says in this context the Christian community all of those who follow Jesus Christ are one there's no dividing line I mean you can imagine how this would have hit their ears it's like what the whole world is divided well, not when you come into the family of God. Not when you come into God's house. When you come into God's family. And you're part of God's family, there is no division. That's why we get Paul's words like in 1 Corinthians 11, where he's challenging them. He's saying, you know what? Before you eat, you wait. You wait till everybody is there. We don't eat just the rich and then the poor. You wait till all people are there because we're one and we all eat together. This would have been a radical notion at this time that everybody is one and everybody belongs. 
but that's the household of faith. That's who's welcome into God's home, is everyone. And I would argue that it was this trait that caused the early church its expansive growth. When we had a society all around us that is dividing and putting people down and putting you in categories and over here and over here, people would turn and see the household of faith and, and see the people of God, and they're all together as one. Where do you want to live? I want to be in that home. I don't want to be over here. And so as we look at our home today, we got to realize, and here's the good news for you, that all people belong. You are here this morning and wondering, do I fit? All people belong. There is no separation here because all are welcome. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. That's the good news of the Bible. So as we think about this being a, uh, the community of faith, being a home, being a home where we all belong, I think there's just one simple action that we need to take. Just one. And that action is this. You need to move in. You need to move in. If it's your home, you need to move in. Fifteen years ago, when the Carroll family bought that sweet abode that you saw on the screen just around the corner from, from church, it was a house that we bought. That time we were living in Grand Haven. But we said, no, we're going to move to Walker and we're going to make that our home. So what did we do in that house? Did we just show up like once a week and stand in the middle of it and go, ah, oh, this is just a sweet, sweet house, and then go back to Grand Haven? No, we didn't. In fact, the very first night that we owned that house, we packed up our beds and our clothing uh, and our kitchen table. And that's what we took with us. Because we're going to sleep here, and obviously we got to be dressed while we're here, and uh, we're going to eat together as a family around here, and it started making a home. We started moving in. And then as time went on, pretty soon it started reflecting us and our characters. We, you know, we redecorated, we hung pictures on the wall, and that's where we did life. We were committed to being there, and we moved in. And you get that. I know you get that. And so when I'm talking about this being a home, this community of faith, being a household of faith. The question before us is, have I moved in? We need to move in. I mean, that's what we saw happen here in the, the life of the early church. It says right there in verse 42, it says these words. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and to prayer. The word there is, devoted they devoted themselves in greek that word is proskarterio proskaterio pros means to move to something towards something in the direction of something this is a compound word and so i'm moving in the direction of something and what is that something that i'm going to be strong the verb strong and firm so how am i moving i'm moving towards something strong and firmly that's the word. And so it says these early believers saw this household of faith, and what did they do? They moved strongly towards it. They moved firmly towards it. They said, this is my home. This is where I now live. I was, I was in the world, not there anymore. 
Paul says we're an alien, we're a stranger, we're passing through. I'm no longer part of this world. My home is with a community of faith, and so my action is to move into that, and I'm going to be devoted, and I'm going to move firmly, and I'm going to plant myself in here. And that's what these early believers did. We saw that they were, they were devoted as they moved in to this household of faith. I need to remind you that devoted is the opposite of dabbling. Devoted is the opposite of dabbling, right? I'm devoted to my kitties, but I dabble with my bonsai tree. So my kitties are living the best life ever. They're fed every morning, their litter box is cleaned out, they get the treats, I play, play games with them, they don't have any fur balls, and they have a sweet life out on their catio. <laughs> my bonsai trees die regularly every year, <laughs> through and through. So finally, Rob Linnegott, in a very thoughtful, bought me a bonsai tree made out of Legos. So all I have to do is dust it off, and it keeps living and going. I'm devoted to my kitties. I dabble in my bonsai trees. I think I'm devoted to the Word of God, and I dabble with baking. I read God's Word. I, uh, you know, I study it. I, I, you know, I watch videos on it to understand the culture and the context, and uh, I, I immerse in it, and, and so I'm devoted to learning what I can from God's Word. My baking is really a wish list on Amazon Prime that has cannoli tubes in it. And maybe I'll buy them in time for Christmas to maybe make something for my family. I dabble in baking, devoted to God's word. See what this, the difference here? To be devoted and dabble? Many of us dabble in the household of faith. Many of us dabble in this home, and we're not devoted to it. And so that's the question that we need to ask ourselves this morning. Am I devoted to this household of faith? Am I devoted to living in this home that God has given me, a home where I belong? Because knowing that intellectually now then means that the result in my life is that this is what I'm going, where I'm going to move to. I'm no longer part of this world. I am part of this new community of faith. The old is gone. The new has come, and this is what I'm devoted to. So what do you need to do to move in? What do you need to do to move in to this household of faith? I know there are many who, are, who dabble. That's why I'm asking this question. But what do you need to do to move in? And I think maybe a starting point would be just you, you couldn't go wrong by looking at this list that we read here this morning, right? They were devoted, first of all, to teaching and fellowship, the breaking of the bread and prayer and the wondrous signs. This is worship. They were devoted to worship. It was a non-negotiable that they said, this is what our community is about. We know that one day in heaven we're going to be gathered in the Father's house and our eternity is going to be spent worshiping and glorifying God. Now, so while I'm here on earth, if we are a foretaste of what is to come, I'm going to devote my life to worshiping God, and I will be in worship. I'm going to worship him with all my heart and soul and mind and strength. Maybe for you, moving in looks like a renewed commitment 
to worship this morning. It said all the believers were together and they had everything in common. Do you gather with your household of faith? Do you gather with your brothers and sisters? Do you do life with them? Do you share with them? It says they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and gave to anyone who had need. This is the mission going on. As we look at this community and we see what's happening around us, if our brother and sister is hurting, if somebody in our household of faith is lacking, if somebody has a need, we're going to step up and help them because we're all in the same household. And so are you generous? Do you give generously to the work of God's kingdom? Maybe that's a way that you need to move in this year. It says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all people. They love being together. Are you together in community? And I love that word that says, they enjoyed the favor of all people. It's not just some in our community, some in our household of faith, I like. Some in my household of faith, they're a blessing to me. It says they enjoyed the favor of all people. You may hang with just one or two or three people here in the life of this household of faith, but do you realize what you're missing out on? You could be enjoying the favor of all people. When was the last time you invited somebody new over to your house from this household of faith? When was the last time you had coffee with somebody new from this household of faith? When have you spent time with somebody new from this household of faith? Because they can bless you and you can enjoy their favor. You're all good people. You're all great. I, I get the opportunity to rub shoulders with most of you on a regular basis. And these words are true. Don't miss out on this, this aspect of community. What do you need to do to move in? That's just the question that, I, that I'm throwing out there today. It's not very deep, it's not very profound, but yet it is critical. Because this is who we are. We, we, we aren't people who live in the world. We're people who live outside of the world. We're aliens and strangers passing through, looking forward to our heavenly home. So while we're waiting for Jesus to return, we're doing life together here, in community, on mission, with one another. We need to move in, and we need to enjoy this home. I encourage you, Maybe right now you could take out the connection card, which is in the pew, and you can see on the back of it there are places that say, I would like more information about. Is there an area in the life of this church that you're saying, yeah, I need to move into that area. I need to connect with some other men. We have too many men who are living isolated lives. I need to connect with other men. I need to get my children involved in the children's program. I gotta make sure that my students show up to the youth ministry. How is it that you need to move in? Are there areas of service I know right now, this morning, Miranda said to me, I can't open the preschool yet because I don't have preschool workers in there. What? How can that be that we're letting our littlest ones go without people to guide them and love them, encourage them when they come in to worship? we got to be able to take care of that. So we do that as together community of faith as we have needs. We step up and we serve. It's not about us. We don't just come once a week and dabble in the house. We're devoted. We're devoted to this house. And I just want to remind you that it's this community of faith, not your, not your sports team, not your workplace, not your social media standing and followers that are going to last into eternity. This is the only thing right here that is going to last into eternity 
right here, this community, this community of faith. And Paul says uh, in these words in Ephesians that glory will belong to God in his church and Christ Jesus for all time and eternity. Ephesians 3, 21. God in his church and in Christ Jesus is the only thing that will last for all eternity. In John, when he had that great vision in Revelation of eternity and, and, and God opened his eyes and he, he could look towards the heavens, what did he see? He didn't see our bank accounts, right? He didn't see our accolades. He didn't see our trophies. What did he see? He saw people. He saw the community of faith from every tribe, every nation, everyone who belonged, putting their faith in God. He saw them all before the throne of God in the Father's house, and there they were worshiping God. That was the vision that John had of what was to last. And John says at that point, I saw it, and I knew that we would be with the Lord forever. I know I'm asking a big thing of you. To say no to many things in this world. And say be devoted to the kingdom of God and to God's family and God's people. But I believe that was what was behind the magnetic growth of this early church. And I believe it could be behind our growth as well as a community of faith here. When people look in on us, gathering on this hill every week, devoted to our God. They say that God means something to those people. He's their father. They love him, and look how they give their lives to him and to one another. I don't see that anywhere else in the world. So I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that. And I hope you'll choose to be a part of it today. Because I think if you do, if you move in and become devoted, I think you'll find in, in the great uh, theological and brilliant words of Dorothy Gale from Oz, that if you move in, you will find, as she said, that there is no place like home. God, we thank you for this home. We thank you for this community and this people that you have drawn together here on the hill. We thank you for the way they feed into our life. They help us to worship. They help us to learn about you. They're there to support us. They're there to encourage us. And yet, God, we recognize that we are just a fraction, just a small sliver of what this community really could be. And so that I pray as we come off this, this season of uh, being isolated and away from one another, that we would come back together with a force and we would move in to do life with one another. So God, send your spirit to nudge each of us in this moment, to know what it is, to know how it is, to know in what way it is, that we need to move in. And may we be obedient to your spirit. And we thank you, God, that right now we have a sure and certain hope of an eternal home with you. And we thank you for Jesus Christ who gave his life for us so that we could forever live in our Father's house. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you rise if you're able to?